Uh, there, there are so many emotions of, of grief uh, in the sense that I can't believe it took me this long to finally allow myself to experience this. And, you know, like, you know, all of a sudden I'm somebody in my 30s experiencing what most teenagers do, right? And, and young adults. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bit of grieving going, uh, wow, you know, that, that's tough that I never allowed myself to experience this. And then also just like, yeah oh my goodness i can't believe like this this is what love songs are written about this is what this is this is uh all these things that i've heard about my whole life and always wanted to understand and i've been hiding from it because because i grew up being brainwashed to believe that that my feelings were terrible and so um yeah, I think, you know, just seeing how my body responds versus the way I wanted it to respond with women, and it never did, and then to finally, like, I don't know, to finally get to experience that is, is pretty wild. Hi, I'm Isaac Archuleta, founder and CEO of I Am Clinic, an outpatient psychotherapy practice in Denver, Colorado, offering in-person and online sessions. Welcome to Queer Relationships, a podcast devoted to helping you create the love lives and relationships you crave. In this episode, I talk with Trey Pearson, founder, owner, and lead singer of the Christian rock band Everyday Sunday. In 2016, Trey came out as gay and it changed his life, both his heterosexual marriage and his religious career. He released his first solo album, Love is Love, in 2017 and has developed Trey's Safe Space, a Facebook group offering weekend retreats where LGBTQ individuals, religious or not, can share their stories and questions and find support without judgment. In this conversation, Trey and I reflect on what it means to have a sexual orientation and how it affects all parts of our lives beyond physical pleasure and the way an oppressive religious background can deeply harm individuals in the LGBTQ community. I hope you enjoy. Well, welcome. Welcome to Queer Relation Tips. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that one of the things that I think is most profound is the courage that you've demonstrated throughout kind of just your story of discovering who you are and coming out and the way that you're coming out happened. It was very, um, in, it was, it was very public. I'll just say it that way. And I think that that sure. took a lot of courage. There's these moments when we go back behind the door when no one's with us and we have to confront the reality of what just happened in front of millions of people. Um, so yeah, yeah. As much as you'd like, kind of um, tell us what that coming out journey was like for you. Yeah. So I, um, for those listening that might not be familiar with my story, I toured around the world in a Christian rock band called Everyday Sunday for uh, quite a long time. And uh, during that time, I also married a woman and. Um, grew up in that evangelical world and you know very conservative christian family and like like so many of us and i uh you know i've been raised to believe that that being gay is a choice and that that choice is an abomination to god and if you are that way you're an abomination and uh, never 
wanted to be gay and I thought God would be angry at me. I thought my family would be angry at me. And, um, I just, I wanted to do whatever it took to be the man I thought God wanted me to be. And I also, you know, grew up very much a hopeless romantic, which I still am, but <laughs> I, I had this, I had this belief that, um, because of the way I was raised that, uh, God wanted me to fall in love with a woman. So anything that I felt towards other guys was not, um, was not what falling in love was supposed to feel like. It wasn't what crushes were supposed to feel like. And so through all that, I, um, I just really compartmentalized all those emotions. And I always wanted to know what it was like to fall in love. I wanted to know, uh, how that was supposed to feel. And I, I even remember in my early twenties coming home from tour, I signed a record deal with my, with my band when I was 21. And yeah, I remember coming home and having these late night conversations with my mom, like still in my twenties, not really understanding what crushes were supposed to feel like. Cause I felt like, again, that it was supposed to be with a woman. And I thought, um, you know, that stuff that I felt towards guys was just either a temptation from the devil or just my desire for male intimacy, but definitely not gay. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, you know, I just still had no concept of what it was supposed to feel like with the girl. And, you know, I, I remember always being told, Oh, well, it's not like, in the movies, you know, and I was like, well, you know, okay. So, and, and when you don't really have anything else to base your experience off of, um, it, it can be pretty confusing. And so during that time touring, I, there was this girl from my home church, we mega church, we both grew up in, I started going there as a teenager, but, um, grew up in a, you know, small, uh, Calvinist church before that actually, but, uh, you know, add this, church i was really close to this girl's family and she was home from college i was home from tour and a big group of us were hanging out and i remember thinking that night like man i you know i need to meet a girl like her she's great and we have fun together and i thought well could i is that what it, you know what is that what, what it's could this be it and there's always wondering that and so i was really nervous to actually jump into a relationship with her i was close to her whole family and um, after, I don't know, six months, she kind of officially became my girlfriend, I guess. And then, um, after another year we got engaged after another year we got married and, uh, you know, before we had gotten married, I, I'd never even made out with a girl. And so that was very like, uh, you know, it was very easy in purity culture to, mm -hmm. to not e have even a hint. right? For sure. And, uh, I didn't want to have a hint, you know, but I didn't know, um, I didn't eat, I couldn't relate, uh, because I was trying so hard to push down my feelings towards guys. Um, and I didn't think that was supposed to be what it felt like to have crushes or falling in love. I could not relate my relationship with her to how my other guy friends, um, maybe quote, you know, quote unquote struggled with their, you know, staying pure till marriage, sure. uh, which, you know, kind of makes me cringe to, to say out loud now, but, um, you know, I just definitely grew up in that culture. And so, uh, went into my wedding, 
hoping, praying, fingers crossed that everything would just magically work. Mm -hmm. And it didn't. And I was, it was such a scary taboo thing that I never could talk about what I felt deep down inside or those struggles with anyone, including her. And, uh, you know, we always struggled in that intimacy department, but, um, yeah, we tried. And all of a sudden I found myself two beautiful children later and seven, seven and a half years later into this marriage where I was still hoping that things would get better. Like the same things I was hoping the first week of our marriage. And so it was, it was just a really tough, difficult journey to finally come to that place where we were able to have a real conversation about our, our struggle with intimacy. And so, you know, finally after seven and a half years for the first time in our marriage, she asked me if I was gay and, you know, we had both kind of come to a more affirming position for other people. And I definitely was progressing in my faith coming from that faith background, uh, on that journey. But, uh, you know, it still had never felt like an option for myself because I had committed my life to this person. And I was still very much compartmentalizing how I thought about it for other people versus how I thought about it for myself. Mm -hmm. And, and so it was, it wasn't until seven and a half years into our marriage that I decided to get help. And over that couple months, uh, finally admitting to myself for the first time that I was gay and, and then coming out to to my wife at the time and my family. And, uh, you know, our kids were pretty little at the time. Liv was five turning six and, um, Beckham was, had just turned two. And so, you know, that was, uh, that was four years ago that I came out of the closet to myself and my family. And, uh, it's pretty wild to think about now, you know, just how far that, um, I've been able to come, uh, mentally and you know spiritually and just emotionally uh how how much it's really affected my life to finally uh, be able to stop trying to suppress that absolutely yeah what's some of the things that shocked you about um being out and learning about your body what it responds to sure um, wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first thing that pops in my mind when you say that is, uh, there's a lot of the first that I've had since then. Right. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, allowing myself to feel a crush for the first time and not feel any guilt or shame about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those butterfly feelings mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, that's <laughs> what they're talking about. Oh, sure. and, and, um, you know, to, the first kiss to other firsts, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's just, um, and all of a sudden, like, I mean, very joyous feelings a lot of the time. Most of the, I mean, definitely all, all the time now, but especially at first when those were first happening, it was like, uh, there, there were so many emotions of, of grief uh, in the sense that I can't believe it took me this long to finally allow myself to experience this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you know, all of a sudden I'm somebody in my thirties experiencing what most teenagers do. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and young adults. And, uh, you know, there's, there was a bit of grieving going, uh, wow. You know, that's tough that I never allowed myself to experience this. And then also just like, yeah, 
oh my goodness, I can't believe like this, this is what love songs are written about. This is what, this is, this is, uh, all these things that I've heard about my whole life and always wanted to understand. And I've been hiding from it because I, because I grew up being brainwashed to believe that, that my feelings were terrible. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, just seeing how my body responds versus the way I wanted it to respond with women and it never did. And then to finally, like, I don't know, to finally get to experience that is, is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Sexual orientation is a powerful force. You know, I think in, in certain areas, specifically around, um, like the ex-gay Christian movement and conversion therapies and things like that, it's almost like mind over matter, you know, and if we just kind of figure out the the logical loopholes to jump through and that somehow sexual orientation is so fickle that we could enjoy this kind of heteronormative experience. Sure. And the body is constantly saying not only no, but (laughs) I can't. Or I don't want, yeah, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, it's uh, it, it's, and it's sad how how many countless um, millions, maybe more people have had to experience that, right? Experience that devastation of finding out that your body is saying no, and that. Um, and that there's no like willpower you can have that's going to fix that. And you think about how just how tragic it is that um, so many of us grow up being taught that we're broken, that um, something is wrong with us, and that um, and 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 then you know taking that on yourself and feeling the guilt and shame as if you did something wrong. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah and it's such a speechless experience like there's no words for it to say i didn't choose this but somehow i'm doing something wrong it leaves us in a like this ultimate state of powerlessness yeah yeah and and that and that doesn't only affect us but it affects everything around us right because it affects the decisions we make it affects the way we act and uh you know obviously um in cases, whether it's like somebody like me who ended up marrying someone who, you know, obviously she didn't deserve that, but she grew up in purity culture too, where we were both very like much virgins going into this thing that um, we were blind to, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I I would argue that's not the healthiest way to teach a child growing up to uh, to have to find out right and uh and so you know it, it can be extreme in those situations but it can be extreme and whether it's depression or suicide or whatever it is uh you know i i see the effects that um it's still having on my family and uh uh the, especially the ones that um that are still fighting the fact that i'm gay right mm-hmm. and uh it's sad it's sad that um you know, how, how it's even, uh, really torn apart our relationships and how just a lot of my fears came true as a kid that I thought I wouldn't, you know, it's, it's a big difference to, to be loved for who you are and to be loved in spite of who you are. 
and you can very much feel that difference, right? Uh, it's one thing for your family to always be proud of you and the stuff that you're doing and love you for who you are and go, oh, yes. Like, I mean, it's not like the joy of a wedding, right? You go and you celebrate who this person is and, and, and your joy that they have found someone that they're being with. And when you find that there's those same people that are supposed to love you no matter what, and they say they love you, but all of a sudden you're going, oh, wow, you're not proud of me anymore. You're not mm-hmm. ready to celebrate me anymore. You, um, you feel this deep sense of shame about who I am and this, that I'm broken. And, um, yeah, those are, it, it's, it's amazing just, yeah, how much effect that has on, on countless people. Absolutely. Yeah. Relationships are hard. Family, partners, love, sex, life can be overwhelming. Over the past 10 years, I've sat with individuals and couples and have heard stories of hurt and hardship, stories of struggle and pain. I've helped people explore questions about life. Queer Relationships is offering a unique opportunity to come on the show and sit with a therapist to talk about whatever you need help with. Relationship with your family, Rocky? Having trouble with your sex life? Considering an open relationship? Exploring your gender identity? Love life at a standstill? I'm here to sit with you and talk about it with hope that you will walk away stronger. For more information, visit imclinic.org. That's iamclinic.org. One of the things that you're kind of bringing up for me is this idea that sexual orientation is not necessarily about who we enjoy sleeping with, but it's the mechanism that guides us towards that life-changing love on the most deep layer. Mm. And I think it's so odd that religions who find their premise on this idea that God is love in a sense would be so unwilling to accept love in its fullest spectrum. It's so counterintuitive and in many ways hypocritical. Sure. It's, it's sad. It's just, uh, it doesn't make sense. And I, you know, and I think that's why, uh, so many people in, in communities, uh, that live in fear, uh, religious or cultural or whatever, um, they want it to be this taboo thing you don't talk about. And there's a lot of fear when you start to have those conversations because all of a sudden you find out, yeah, there's actually a lot that's not making sense here. You know, uh, why would this God we want to put our hope and faith in, uh, create me this way and to be able to love so well this way and then be angry at me for doing so. And then want me to be either. And, you know, I think the changing in that fundamentalist world is shifting from it being a choice to now they just want you to be celibate and lonely and miserable the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, because that, that somehow keeps them from having to deal with it. Right. And so, uh, I, that, that taboo world is, I think, uh, a big part of what got me to where I got to make the decisions that I did. And, uh, you know, as somebody who grew up with an uncle who was married and had two kids and um, all of a sudden, um, as a child, finding out that he was 
HIV positive and he uh, passed away during the AIDS crisis. Um, mm. And all of a sudden that was this taboo thing that our family just didn't talk about. Mm. And, um, you know, I think about me and what I've gone through. And then I think about my kids and my nieces and nephews. And I, you know, I look at my parents, I say, you guys have 10 grandkids. Like, you know, there's a decent chance somebody's going to be on that LGBTQ spectrum. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you really want this family curse to, to keep repeating itself? Because mm-hmm. that's what happens when you don't talk about it, mm-hmm. when you don't deal with it, when you don't process it. And uh, I found that to be be very true in my life and in, and, and in so many others. Yeah. What have you learned about love after coming out? Hmm. Ah, love. Uh, good question. I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know an easy answer except to say that I've allowed myself to experience it more and healthier mm. and better. Um, I think uh, it makes a lot more sense to me now. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't even say that in the sense of, uh, you know, being in a relationship. It's, it's, it's about the way I love myself. Mm. And uh, uh, because, I mean, one, I haven't been in a relationship. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't speak a whole lot on that. But I can say that my... Uh, you know, I understand a lot more about what it's like to fall for someone to experience those feelings to, you know, I mean, I have a lot, been able to have a lot of beautiful experiences and been able to date, been able to uh, build beautiful relationships. And I am definitely a person that as much as I'm a hopeless romantic, I also think beautiful relationships come that aren't meant to last forever. And I think, uh, I think maybe I've learned a bit more that about that and uh, you know, just what it's like to experience these beautiful moments with people, but also I, I mostly just really how to love myself without feeling ashamed, without feeling enslaved uh, anymore to, to, to this fear that I, that I wasn't enough, that I couldn't be enough, um, that that's not what love looks like. And mm-hmm. And that, that's not what that's not what people need. And they, you know, uh, whether it's my kids or or my former wife, you know, um, it was a huge thing for me to figure out that uh, one, I was never going to be what she needed me to be because I was trying really hard for a long time to be everything she needed me to be, and it took me a long time to realize, oh, I am, I'm never going to be that, and. Uh, and that that's okay, and that she deserves more than that, and 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 neither of us deserve the torture of not feeling like we were enough for each other, and not knowing why or how to process that. And uh, yeah, like I mean, just you know, like what I was saying earlier, it's just it's been four years. When I think about where where my mental state was four years ago to where it is now. It's amazing. I mean, I just never knew it was possible to feel this way. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's good to talk about it because it reminds me, oh, yeah, like I was, I was in such a crippled state emotionally uh, for, for my whole life because there was this major part of myself that I did not know how to deal with, couldn't deal with, didn't want to deal with. 
and was scared to deal with because I didn't want to be an abomination to God. Right. Such beautiful motivation, but such devastating effects. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. As you're talking, I kind of hear this, the popular slogan, almost as a, like a contemplative mantra, like love is love is love is love. And when we think about that directed towards ourself, as you're describing for us, it's this beautiful way of deconstructing shame, but like a, almost kind of like this mechanism that drives us towards just beautiful authenticity. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And it seems like you've kind of lived that out, that mantra, which I think mm. is really spectacular. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, uh, I feel so much gratitude to be where I am today mm-hmm. and to um, be, I don't know, be living my truest, best, most vulnerable self and, and that my kids get to see that. And hopefully as they see me choosing to be my best self, they know it's okay for them to choose to be their best self. And I, you know, as I was saying before we got recording here, um, I just hosted a weekend here uh, in Columbus where I live uh, with a guys from all over the country that um, a lot of them were married and came out of the closet and have moved on. And uh, some of them were actually uh, just recently out to their wives and still living in that marriage, trying to figure out what, what is next for them. And, um, you know, I, I just, the, the biggest thing that, um, that struck me when I was going through that was just that feeling of, of realizing Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, it's wonderful, absolutely wonderful when kids can grow up with both, you know, both their parents in the same home and not have to go back and forth and have that split home of div- what divorce can do. I think divorce sucks. Like it's shitty and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But with that said, uh, you know, my kids or anybody's kids seeing their parents get divorced is not the end of the world for those kids. It does not mean they have to grow up uh, traumatized and emotionally destroyed. But in our case, it was the, honestly, the healthiest thing for their kid, my kids to get to see their parents be their best, healthiest, truest selves. And for that to happen, it meant, um, mommy lives in one loving home and daddy lives in the other loving home and, and them getting to experience two parents that absolutely love them uh, that are living their healthiest lives. Mm -hmm. And I, we, we came to the realization that there is absolutely no way for us to do that by staying together Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, staying together in a, in a miserable state that isn't healthy for either of you is not what is best for your kids. And, uh, and it just took us a long time to figure that out. And, and and obviously, um, for me, to be able to finally accept myself and um, to go through that and to allow myself to grieve all of that uh, loss as well and, and to, to, to kind of find that light on the other side of that grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your, the momentum of your coming out kind of took you across the country. I mean, you were on The View. You've yeah. performed at Pride festivals across the country. How does that how rewarding is that work for you? 
Hmm. Uh, oh, the work is very rewarding. Uh, just like as far as being able to share uh, my journey in a way that people feel like they want to share their journeys back with me and to hear stories constantly of, of how I've been able to be a part of um, someone's life in a, in a good way and have, has helped them in some way. And, I, you know, I, um, as we both know, that there's no one thing that helps somebody find freedom, but it's usually this, uh, this pile of things that, that stack up that allow someone to find the light, right? And um, to find that breath of fresh air finally. And um, to, to just be a part of that for other people, um, yeah, it feels really beautiful. And I, I think, you know, myself as somebody who grew up in that fundamentalist Christian world uh, that, you know, was very influenced by like that culture and by like Christian music culture as a teenager. Um, you know, I, I could tell you huge Christian rock stars to this day who are very much in the closet. And if one of them would have come out when I was a kid, I think about how that could have affected my life. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I just thought, you know, as I was going through all this, when I was coming out, I just thought, man, if I, if I could do that for somebody else, how much I want to, uh, to be able to do everything I can to try to keep people from having to go through, uh, through that hell of accepting themselves and, and, or, or through anything like that. And so, uh, I'm very grateful to, to do the work that I do and to, to share my journey and, and my art in ways that hopefully continue to make a difference in, in people's lives. Mm -hmm. You're so bold. I, as I kind of watch the projects that you create and, and the things that you include in your lyrics and in your music videos, you're quite an intrepid force for coming yeah. from such a <laughs> conservative evangelical background. You're really, it seems like you really believe in the beauty of authenticity. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, as somebody, I, I've been writing songs, uh, gosh, for over 20 years now, since I was a young teenager and to, um, I don't know, to all of a sudden, like, you know, have this thing about my, you know, myself that I was pushing down my whole life. I really think that affected my art as well. And so like, I feel like when I came out, not only was there this huge part of myself that finally burst open, but there was this huge part of my creative self that felt like it, I had tapped into that burst open. And I've just constantly been thinking about um, how can I uh, use my art in a way uh, to, make a to make a difference and to challenge people to think in, in new ways, different ways. But also, I just feel like I have found this inspiration of things that I want to write about and that I want to say, uh, because I feel like I have so much to, to share right now. And, um, and I love that feeling. And, and so, yeah, I think, you know, um, in some ways it just feels like, uh, things have flown through me and run out of, come out of me. And that feels fantastic. But it, it, I also, I felt like these, these huge things on my heart that I just, uh, 
really feel like how could I how can I share this in a way that causes someone's um, heart to stir or or mind to uh, maybe at least think about it for for the moment and uh, and get lost in it a little bit and so I've really had a lot of fun with yeah doing my my album and and my 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 songs but also the way I've tried to use my music videos to uh, to try to do that as well and uh, I don't know I'm constantly thinking about that so it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. fun to watch. Thank you. Where can Thank people you. find your work? How can they hop on the tray wagon? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so if you go to treypearson.com, I think all the different ways you can find me are on there. <laughs> um, I, I think all my handles are at Trey Pearson on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And then, uh, I think it's Trey Pearson official on YouTube, but, uh, yeah, you know, um, I think if you just go to my website, it's probably the easiest way. Awesome. Great. Sure. And how can um, other people who might be in a heterosexual marriage who are needing to come out or needing support because it's very, very rare, how can they, are, are you planning other retreats? Are those coming down the pipeline? Yeah. So I, I'm uh, getting ready to do another retreat in Salt Lake City. And um we're already looking at stuff for late spring, early summer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would, again, just say to go to TreyPearson.com. But uh, I would say the way to be the most in the know about those things is uh, to join my safe space group on Facebook. It's just called Trace Safe Space. It's a private group, so you can find it if you search for it, but uh, you can't see who's in there unless you're a part of it. And so that group is uh, specifically... It, it's uh, a group of thousands of LGBTQ people sharing their journeys and stories along the way. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, a good amount of allies in there as well, which is pretty cool. But uh, um, I'm always updating people with uh, my safe space tour where I go and share my journey uh, around the country. And then, you know, this will be my fourth safe space weekend coming up, which is I, my, I just had my first one a year ago, so I feel like I, I did not realize I would be doing this many already. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, but it's fun; it's good, awesome. and uh, it's been I, it's been amazing to see uh, a couple of things. It's weird now that I've been out four years. I'm just like, oh, I can't believe the country's so far behind on all this. <laughs> but <laughs> but if you would have said that to me four years ago, I would have just been like, you know, obviously still in my own state of crippling fear. And I realized sure. constantly how many. As far along as we are coming, which I do believe we are, and I do believe the world is changing fast, there are still countless people being marginalized and oppressed, and uh, we have a lot of work to do uh, mm-hmm. to continue to change that and help people to keep from having to grow up in those kind of environments. And um, I don't know. I think as long as there's work like that to do, I think you and I will have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I'm just happy we one small voice that's that's trying to contribute to that sometimes it can feel like guilt and obligation and that would be the illusion that we control how other people feel but oftentimes it's a way of learning and practicing connectedness we do our best We're always trying to figure out how to treat each other with respect and love. 
And we want to love ourselves, even when it feels like we're contradicting our desire. But one thing that Trey has taught me is that it oftentimes takes an incredible amount of courage, massive courage, to confront our deepest desires, those that have been labeled as dirty by culture and religion, and to embrace them as clean and beautiful, not just in a way that allows us to move forward in our behaviors and actions, but in a way that we hold them internally as clean and beautiful and worthy of being expressed. And in my opinion, expressing those desires is evolution at play. We want action at a time, one desire at a time, get to embrace that which is actually innocent and incredibly beautiful. And as we express it, we liberate other people to express and live freely within and among themselves. Coming out as gay, especially if you've been married and living in a heterosexual relationship, can feel like the most devastating season of life. It feels as though we're not only ending our security and our stability and pulling up these deep roots out of the ground only to feel aimless and void of security, but we also fear that we will hurt everybody around us, especially if children are involved. One of the things that we do not talk about in our discourse of sexual orientation is the role of emotional intimacy. I've had many clients at IM Clinic come saying, hey, Isaac, I'm in a heterosexual marriage, but I need to come out. And one of the first places I start working with them is identifying what emotional intimacy has looked like and what it looks like in their marriage. By no means am I an ex-gay or conversion therapist in any stretch of the imagine. But I do want to acknowledge that sometimes when it feels as though we need to come out of the closet, we begin pulling away from those who we share the most emotional intimacy with, leaving the relationship, whether it be the marriage or family relationship, rather dry. And in that dry context, we're making major decisions for our life in the direction that we'll move in. It can feel as though we're making decisions in a very lonely place we would rather leave, specifically because the emotional intimacy has diminished. I identify as bisexual, and so I believe very firmly in the idea and the premise that emotional intimacy plays an incredible role in our sexual activity, our sexual arousal, our libido, the direction towards which our orientation might be pointed. Have there been times when I've shared deep emotional intimacy and it made the person more sexually arousing? Absolutely. But I'm bisexual. I have this fluidity in my sexuality. Some might even call me pansexual and that would be just fine. But for people who find themselves on the extreme of this spectrum of orientation, who only identify or whose sexual orientation is only pointed at the same gender, emotional intimacy will play a similar role, but it will not open up the body towards this expanded way of being attracted. So if you were to identify as gay or lesbian very, very cleanly, then emotional intimacy is going to play a very profound role in your life. But that expanded way of seeing emotional intimacy influence sexual orientation, I would say, won't occur. 
And that might sound like I'm being a little narrow-minded, but I actually think that's relieving for a lot of gay and lesbian spouses who need to come out. As a bisexual person, I think it would be rather important for me to understand and repair the emotional intimacy in my relationship. So I'm making decisions out of authenticity rather than fear, out of full knowing rather than a limited way of seeing my marriage and the world and my life and my sexual orientation. If you are someone living in a heterosexual marriage and you're contemplating coming out and wondering, I'm sure with a lot of fear, what you'll do with your marriage, I have a couple of pointers. The first one is to take an inventory of what is true about your sexuality, what activates it, what doesn't activate it, when do you feel aroused and when do you not feel aroused. I also recommend taking this massive inventory about how you have felt sexual orientation in your body ever since it turned on. When did you first know you might be attracted to the opposite gender or the same gender? When did you first have an experience of feeling a crush or visual or emotional arousal? What was it like for you to hold this knowing within your body? Collecting the language around your own story will not only help you move forward in confidence because you know who you truly are, but it will help make any transition you confront as smooth as possible because you'll have this rich data bank of knowledge, of language to share with those around you so you can create the most accurate and clear picture for their understanding. The next step, I think, would be to find people who are, in the, are a part of the community so they can help support you and share tips that they've learned along the way. We all need each other. Again, we are designed for relationships. I absolutely love Trey. I love the work that he does on the planet. And I encourage you to follow him. Trey Safe Space is a gorgeous opportunity for people of all walks of life to find that tribe, a place where they can truly belong. Queer Relation Tips is a podcast sponsored by I Am Clinic a counseling practice devoted to the LGBTQ plus community with in-person and virtual counseling options available. I am Clinic. Create the love lives and relationships you crave. Find us online on Instagram at LGBTQ underscore therapy and Facebook at I am Clinic. That's I-A-M Clinic.